He said, if you show up every day and you put in the work, it's just a, it's just a math equation. It's how long does it take? Would you like to win and achieve success in what you do? Welcome to the Winner's Ways podcast, where we create winners every day. And now your host, the author of Winner's Ways book and life coach, Bola Alabi. play the how long does it take game and just keep showing up every day and putting the work in knowing that at some point it'll pay off than to play the I wish game wow you know I, I had a step I had a stepdad uh, he used to tell me as a kid because I'd be like I wish this I wish that and he said once he wish fills up first we can wish all we want yeah we gotta decide you gotta show up and, and it will happen it's 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 a, it's just when I am thrilled to have a guest with us we have Jerry, Jerry Feta with us. Jerry is a financial wealth builder. But guys, Jerry is going to introduce himself shortly uh, when I bring him in. But today we are going to be talking about how to build wealth like the top 1%. Jerry has figured it out, so he's going to share with the rest of us to learn how to build wealth. So without keeping you guys waiting for that, let me bring in my guest. Hey, Jerry, how are you doing? Hey. Hey, Bola, I'm good. Thanks so much for having me on today. Awesome. This is nice. I, I like I like this uh, having this conversation. So, uh, Jerry, if you don't mind, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience so that they can know you and know who we are talking with today? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, obviously, my name is Jerry, but I'm the owner, uh, founder, and CEO of a company called Wealth Dynamics. And um, you know the company we help families, individuals, entrepreneurs, business owners uh, really accomplish four main things. And so the first one is to help them gain financial education, like true, simple, and applicable financial education. Um, the second one is actually helping people build solvency. Right now we have a solvency crisis in the country. Uh, debts low, savings low, paycheck to paycheck is a very big scenario for most people. And so we help handle that. And then we also work with uh, you know obviously achieving greater financial freedom in life. Um, and I say greater because there's never a stopping point there. It's the, the more you want, the more you can get. And it comes down to those first two points of my knowledge, knowledgeable, and do I have the solvency? And then the last thing that we help people do is share the truth about money with those around them. It's kind of like one of those things that if you make it to the top of the mountain, we feel it's your responsibility to help other people up. And so we're very big on, you know, if you learn something that worked for you, go share that with your friends. Go share that with your family. Because for me, I didn't find out. No one told me these things. I had to go look. So we want to create, you know, that effect of people are sharing that. So that's that's what we do. And in my company, you know, Wealth Dynamics, it means abundance and prosperity in all dynamics of life. Um, and obviously, it takes finances to achieve that. And that's a big part of what we do for people. That's awesome, uh, Jerry. Maybe uh, you have answered uh, what was going to be my next question uh, in terms of you said uh, if you have made it up until until the top of the ladder. Maybe you have the responsibility uh, of helping other people. I, I think that's why you do this. But I want to hear from you. Why is it important for you uh, to help people uh, build wealth and create that solvency that you talk, that you just uh, spoke about? 
Yeah, you know, I didn't grow up with knowledge on money. So I grew up with a family, you know, I had two two brothers. Um, you know, my mom was was uh, divorced, married my dad. He was divorced, married my mom. In total, they had like 13 kids, uh, you know, step-siblings, half-siblings. But I have two full brothers. And so we grew up in, in poverty range. Like by, by income, our household was in statistically in poverty. So when I was you know, nine years old, you know, my mom and dad but I have two full brothers, each other. and so house got foreclosed on. The car got repoed, and we were all we were homeless all in the same summer. Uh, and so I grew up with this ruin on money, like looking at it, like okay, this caused all of these problems in my life as a kid. And so when I was you know 17, 18 years old, I actually made the decision boldly to quit on money. I was like, I'm not going to participate in it. <laughs> you know, when it told me it was backed by nothing because I thought it was backed by gold, and when I learned. I mean, I was weird. I was 17. I don't know why that mattered to me. But when I found it, it wasn't that by gold. I was like, so it's Monopoly money. And I was like, I'm not going to I'm not going to build my life on this. And so um, I went from hard times to harder times because I didn't realize that economics, they're involuntary. Like I got dragged along kicking and screaming. I still had bills. I still had to earn an income. And so I'm passionate about teaching this because it should be taught in schools. Um, it should be taught in households. It's, you know, finances, it's right up there with gravity. It's right up there with sleeping. It's right up there with having to eat and breathe. Like you're going to have to encounter it in life. So yeah. we should know how it works. Like it shouldn't be a mystery. That's correct. That's correct. I, I like the way you put it. Uh, but let, let's talk about this. Why is it that, because you mentioned this, that uh, financial education is not being taught in school. Why is that? Uh, you, you talk, I, I know you spoke about the solvency uh, challenges that we are having in our country today. Uh, we don't even want to start talking about the credit card debts, uh, student loan debts, auto loan debts, uh, and all these debt in the consumer credit uh, debt. Why is it uh, that our education uh, infrastructures, uh, they don't teach financial education in school? Why is that? Well, there's no incentive to, and this, this is a really good question. When you look at the wealthiest groups in the country, it's banks and it's Wall Street, right? And so when we graduate school, we're supposed to give them all of our money. We put our money in a checking account. We will get a mortgage. We get a car payment. We put the money in the 401k plan. When you look at the average American budget, the majority of it goes to banks and Wall Street if there's even anything left at the end of that, right? So. If they're at the top running things, you know, and, and when I say running things, they're involved in the politics, they're involved in who's going to be president, who's not, you know, they're, they have lobbyists. Like, so a good example, um, you know, in COVID, COVID-19, 2020 happens and we have these stimulus bills coming up. Right. At the end of 2020, there was a bill released that was, you know, it was a COVID stimulus bill. Mm-hmm. But in that bill, Mass Mutual Life Insurance Company lobbied to, re- to increase the amount of money that wealthy people could put in life insurance policies. Wow. What the hell does that have to do with COVID-19? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And so that's, right. that's what I mean when I say these guys are at the top. And so we're consumers. When we come out, we're supposed to give them our money. And so there's a, a lot of incentive for us to not know how finances work. Because if we know, we might not give them the, the same amount of money. We might not use the, the car loan and the, the mortgage and the credit card and the student loan and all the things that we're supposed to use when we grow up. Right. So how does, you know, you said build wealth, like the top 1%. How do they build wealth uh, that the rest of us don't know? Yeah, so this is a big part that, you know, I was a financial advisor. 
for a number of years. So I had my securities licenses, I did mutual funds, I did retirement plans. And so I call this retail financial products. I was selling retail financial products. It's things you would go sit down with someone and buy the retirement or the IRA or the mutual fund. Um, and so I would have meetings with certain people where I knew they were independently wealthy already. You right. know, they had they had investments, they had passive income. And, and one for one, they were never interested in what I had to offer. <laughs> and I couldn't understand why, because I was like, well, this stuff is, this is the stuff you're supposed to have this, right? right? And so I was imagining that these people who were financially successful would agree with that. And they'd be like, yes, you're right. You know, I have this and I would like more of it. And all of them were like, not only do I not own this, I don't want it. And so I started having to look at, well, what is it that they're doing instead? And so what I've looked at and what it really comes down to is the wealthy, you know, they do three or four main things. Um, number one is they often are involved in small business. Mm-hmm. Okay, the number one asset on the net worth statement of the top 1% is small business equity. So when you study the top 1%, most of them, they either have a business that they've built ground up or they've invested in a business that they're a very large part of. And that's where they get their active income from. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not on a salary, you know, and, and that doesn't mean you've got to go be an entrepreneur. You could go be a salesperson. Right. Similar, you're able to create your own income. Right. right. So that's a big thing is they have unlimited income potential. The second thing is they save their money in real stores of value. And so when you look at the wealthy, they're not keeping their money in, in banks. They're not keeping it in 401ks. They're keeping it in things like life insurance policies. They're keeping it in hard assets like gold and silver. Um, in some cases, they're keeping it in real estate where they'll buy land or buy a condo or they'll buy property simply knowing that it's going to store their value and they can get the money back out later. Um, and so that's kind of the, the second part of it. And then the third part is they invest in real assets that generate passive income. Mm-hmm. And so one of the rules that I've learned from the top 1% is you never trade time for the same money twice. <laughs> if I earned it through my business, I'm not going to put it into an investment that requires my time again. Mm-hmm. I already traded the time. And so the point is to not have to trade the time. And so they're very big on this is I want to invest in a way where it doesn't take my time anymore. Because then I, that's how I win and buy my time back. Right, right. So uh, thank you for sharing that. Um, the majority of my listeners, they are working professionals, okay? Uh, that means they have a job that they go to. And uh, they. some people will say they trade their time for money. Uh, yeah. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, I believe that whatever you can do to earn money legitimately, legally, do it. I like the concept of having a small business, you know, build something, whether you call it side also or becoming an entrepreneur. But mm-hmm. we are not all going to be entrepreneurs. It's not going to be mm-hmm. possible. So to those people that are uh, working today, maybe nine to five, what advice do you have for them in in terms of how to build wealth? Yeah, and I agree with you actually. So I have 12 full-time employees. They're all you know salary W-2 staff, right? So they're working professionals. Um, and you know the, the statistics show that that over 90% of small businesses fail within the first five years. So there's a 90% chance that most people should probably not start a business. And so that means that you've got to find, you know, a company that, you know, obviously you can get behind the service that's being delivered, the mission, the purpose is something that you can actually get behind. And like you said, it's ethical and it's moral. And I don't feel gross when I leave at the end of the day. I'm like, I'm, I contributed to something. Right. Right. So that's a big part of it. The second part is obviously, you know, growth. 
you know, if I'm in a company where I can grow, you know, whether I can grow professionally or intellectually, and then obviously financially, um, and the best way to do that is by expanding the net income of the company. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that any employee can do that, whether you're, you know, an IT guy or whether you're HR or whether you're a salesperson or whether you're a technician, there's some way you can help grow that business. Mm-hmm. And I think that most employers are willing to reward that. I know for me with my people, if someone comes to me and says, hey, I want to grow the income of the company, will you bonus me or pay me a commission or give me, you know, a piece of the growth? I'm going to say definitely, you know, if, if you can actually grow my business, I, that's that's the entire purpose here. I'm going to pay you well for that. And I'm going to give you a percentage of what you help with. So I think that that's something that should also be looked for by a working professional. Um, and then the other one is leadership. You know, it's 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 not easy running a business. And so you want leadership that is going to, you know, be able to make the hard decisions, but also be able to do it from a standpoint of helping their people grow. Right. It's really easy to be, you know, the, the leader from the ivory tower who never comes down and never sees what's happening and, you know, makes cuts when the economy's bad and lays people off and all the normal stuff <laughs> we're used to hearing about in corporate America. Right. I think a good leader is willing to say, hey, my people can perform better and I'm going to go down and make sure that that happens. And I'm going to have the tough conversations and show the tough love and give the games and the targets and and help them grow because that's how the organization grows. That's, that's completely true. Uh, I know what's going on in the economy today, especially if you consider the tech uh, sector. A lot of uh, companies are laying off, whether you are thinking about Twitter or Amazon, uh, all these big, mighty companies, they are laying off currently, uh, trying to save costs uh, and, of course, return more money to the shareholders. Uh, to employees working in such companies, I, I think you said something that I think is core. Uh, you said the people need to uh, develop more skills in terms of being like a strong contributor, top performer in those organizations, give them ideas, develop leadership skills. I think this will help people, you know to establish their brand and, of course, uh, position themselves for success uh, in their career. So those are very, very valid points. Jerry, let's yeah. talk about um, passive income, you know, uh, because you mentioned it the other time. And I'm a big fan of having uh, some passive income so that maybe someday, if you can grow it big enough, it can replace your active income. Uh, income, right? So what are some advice or ideas that you want to share with us in terms of how to grow passive income? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, when I look at passive income, uh, the number one place I actually look at is banks. And when you look at a bank, you know, if you think about all of the interest income that the bank earns is completely passive. If they do a mortgage, they're not your landlord. They don't fix your toilet. They don't help with the rent. Like, you know what I mean? It's like right. you pay them interest and that's it. They don't get involved. Right. Uh, and so for me, that is the most the most passive form of income is, you know, from a lending standpoint. If I have money that I can loan out on assets mm-hmm. and get interest income back, that is the most passive form of income. Um, you know, so when I look at passive, I look at two main things. I look at something that is as passive as it can be. Because there's no state of absolute passive. Even with lending, I still have to do a little bit. I've got to look at the statement and make sure the loan came in. 
and make sure the interest was paid. And if it didn't, I've got to go through a foreclosure proceeding. So the idea that there's this absolutely passive income is actually a fallacy. And I think that that confuses a lot of people because they're looking for something that doesn't actually exist. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking for something that doesn't actually exist, that solves the question of why do so little people have it? Well, because there isn't any, right? Sure. So when we look at it as, okay, there's no absolute, there's greater or lesser, there's varying degrees. So if I'm trading time for money, that's the least form of passive. I think if I'm a private lender or you know a mortgage lender, that's one of the most forms of passive. And then there's different you know scopes of that in between you know on that spectrum. So that's the thing that I look at is, okay, how, how can I make it as passive as possible? And then the other thing is it needs to be safe. Right? I don't want to lose. And so that's where, you know, um, for me doing a mortgage loan, there's a house there. So I do something called seller finance real estate where I buy a house. We, we, we basically do minimum essential improvements. We do the, the prehab to make it sellable. And then we sell it to a family that can't qualify for a normal mortgage. We get them into housing. We actually gift them equity. We're giving them probably 10, 20% equity on the front end um, just to help them. And their, their mortgage payments cheaper than what they were paying in rent. And so they're saving, they're actually like living the American dream of home ownership. And then I'm getting a mortgage payment every month as an investor. And so I have, you know, the, the passive income, it's truly passive. It's not something I'm actively involved in. It's backed by a real asset. And then the third thing is it's got to help, right? Mm-hmm. It's got to be something that helps people. And right. so in this case, I'm helping people I'm helping them, you know, lower their payments. I'm helping them gain equity. Uh, we had a story of a family that did one of these houses with us a couple of years back. They paid um, seventy thousand for it, and then this year they sold it for like a hundred and eighty thousand. Wow! And this was a family that a couple of years ago couldn't get they couldn't get a mortgage with a bank. Their credit wow. was bad, their income was bad, their life's been changed. That's you know, awesome. the investor yeah. they made some passive income. It was a win win win, right? So yeah. that's a big part. Is I want it to be helpful and I want it to improve conditions for for people around me as well. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, Jerry, you have this financial blueprint uh, that you developed. Can you share those blueprint with us? Yeah. So this this is a big one. Um, you know, when I first started with finances, when I would meet with people, um, it seemed like the more I did with them financially, the more confused they got. <laughs> right. Like I would be like, okay, let's set up a 401k. Let's set up an IRA. Let's set up a health savings account. Let's do this. Let's and let's do. Let's add a trust now. And it just turned into like this mess, this confusion. And I would have people, they, you know, they knew they were good things, but they would call and be like, Hey, what do I have again? How does this work? Like, and they would have these little like problems and messes. And so I was looking at it and I was like, okay, there's, there's, there's something missing. Cause if we're giving people all these tools and then they're actually ending up more confused than when they started, then that's they not the result it. they were trying to create. Correct. Yeah. So we spent a lot of time and I spent a lot of time researching and what was missing was sequence. Right, like we want to do the right things, but we also want to do them at the right time and in the right order. Right. And if you think of it like lining up dominoes, mm-hmm. those dominoes need to be one after the other, so that when I hit the first one, the rest of them fall. And that's that's what the blueprint for us is. So you know, there it's built on phases, and and this is the book here. Um, do you mind if I give people a free copy? Oh, that would be awesome. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Jerry, for sharing yeah. that with us. Uh, if, if you go to, and maybe maybe we can put this in the link, but it's jerryfeta.com forward slash B2F promo. So the letter B, the number two, the letter F, and then the word promo. Um, so just my first and last name. And basically that'll, that'll give you a free copy of the book. Um, you cover your shipping. 
We've got a course supervisor that we've hired to actually help people finish the book because people don't finish books usually when they buy them. Right. Um, and so that's something that just comes complimentary to make sure you finish it, you understand it, and, and you can actually get through the material. Uh, that's good. Thank you, uh, Jerry, for being so kind and generous uh, to us uh, here today. I'm going to leave um, that link in my show notes so that people can grab uh, a copy. Um, uh, you said people can make money while paying off debts. You know, I, I want to hear more about that. Uh, because I, I don't know how you can still make money while you are still in debt. Can you break yeah. that down for us? Definitely. So, so you have like, there's two viewpoints, right? Mm -hmm. So if you look at it, like, let's say Bola, let's say that you, you loan me money. You're the bank. I'm the consumer. Mm -hmm. My viewpoint is that that's an expense. You know, I'm right. the person that borrowed it. I've got, let's say, a car payment and you loan me the money for it. Mm -hmm. So as a consumer, I'm like, okay, this is debt. I owe this. It's an expense. Your viewpoint as the bank is that it's an investment. Right. You're making income on it every month. You're making interest. So when I'm paying off my debt, I'm not paying off an expense. I'm actually investing. Like if I pay you off early, it's the same function that happens when I make an investment. I take capital. I take money and I put it towards this financial vehicle. And when I do that, I earn a rate of return, which is the interest I save by not paying you interest. Mm -hmm. And I also get income from it every year, right? Every month. That's my yield, just like an investment would have, because I'm not having to make that payment to you anymore. And so I actually get a return on investment. Now in the banking world, this is actually what occurs. Bola, if you loaned me that money for a car and you're a bank, you probably actually are going to sell that debt to another bank and get money today rather than money later. That's um, right. People yeah. have experienced this with their mortgages. Their mortgages will get sold from bank to bank to bank. Mm -hmm. So even the bank looks at it this way. Like, like bank A buying the debt from bank B, that's an investment. The consumer paying off the debt with the bank is an investment. Now, the problem lies in the fact that there's something called opportunity cost. Let's say that you loaned me 10 grand and I give you the 10 grand to pay off the debt. The debt is gone, but also my 10 grand is gone too. Mm. I'll never see that money again. I'll okay. never see the future value of that money again. So what I do instead is I use something called the sacred account. It's a form of high early cash value dividend paying whole life insurance. Okay. Um, I know that's a super long name, which is why we just call it the sacred account. Um, yeah. But I put money in there and when I deposit it, that money is going to grow at three to five percent per year on average, um, tax free for the rest of my life. I can borrow against it and it's still going to keep growing. Wow. So I put in 10 grand, it's growing, I borrow. Now I do have loan interest when I borrow, that might be one to 3%, but let's say I'm making four on the money and it costs me two to borrow. Four minus two is still a 2% profit to borrow my own money. Now I'm gonna take that 10 grand and pay Bola off. Huh. So I've not only, I've gotten rid of the debt, I've freed up the interest, I've freed up the payment, but my 10 grand is growing like it never left. And that payment that I used to pay to Bola, I'm gonna pay to myself now by paying my loan back to my life insurance policy. And so at the end of this, I'm out of debt, I've saved interest, I've saved the income I used to pay, and I've got more money than I started with. And this, this is amazing because it solves the root cause of debt. The reason people go back in debt is because they have a lack of money. Mm, so if I right. pay off my debt and I give Bola my, my last 10 grand and I didn't do something like this, I don't have money anymore and the likelihood that I'm going to have to go borrow again increases. So this breaks that cycle because now at the end, I've actually got all my money that I started with, plus it was growing like it never left, and I'm never going to go back in debt again. You know what? 
That is so cool. I had a guest, I think it was sometimes last year, and he came on the show, he was telling me about banking on yourself. Uh, that was the way he put it. And it's also about uh, investing in insurance and maybe you'll be earning money. I think that was what you just explained. Uh, it's it sounded it sounded complex to most people that that may not know how to figure this out. So I want to see how you, Jerry, and your company, uh, Wealth Dynamics, uh, are helping people. Or maybe there's someone in my audience today that I want to you know learn more about this. How can they connect with you? Or what what are the process or steps? that you would take them through in order to start building that wealth that we are talking about. Yes, so so we're happy to work with people. Um, if you go to sacredaccount.com, so sacredaccount.com, um, some, sometimes people do a typo and they, they type scaredaccount.com. It's not a scared account. This is, this is not a Wall Street account. <laughs> so sacredaccount.com, right. uh, and you can connect with us there. And uh, there's a free white paper you can download that it, that breaks down this in very simple terms, right? Um, the number one owner and the number one purchaser of this exact kind of life insurance in the country are the top banks in the nation. Um, they keep 20% of their reserves in it, so that's about 200 billion dollars. So it's a comp, it's a it's a it's a topic that sounds complicated, and that's kind of the thing with finances, Bola, is it sounds complicated. I hear people say this all the time. And they're like, I can never understand money, and what it comes down to is two things: it's vocabulary. Right. So words have been created that represent financial equations and mathematics. And those words are words people don't use every day. And so because of that, they're like, that sounds really complicated. Well, if we look up the words, then it's just math. And then it's to understand the math. Well, if we have a calculator, we can understand the math. And so anyone that can use a dictionary and a calculator in today's day and age has the ability to know and, and understand anything about finances. But it comes down to just realizing that it's just words. It's just math. Uh, and I, I'm fully able to, to, to look the, the words up and do the equations and understand it. So, um, again, if you go to sacredaccounts.com, you know, you guys can, can connect with us if you're a listener. Um, you know, my team will work with you. We do a free consultation and we'll just find out what are your goals and what can we help with. And um, if we can help, we'll work with you on, on whatever we can do. I'm going to leave all these uh, links uh, on my show notes so that people can have easy access uh, so they can... Uh, connect with you. Uh, thank you again for uh, sharing that with us. So uh, as we are wrapping up, um, Jerry, I want to ask, you know, you've been talking about wealth, financial education. If you look at this country, it's full of opportunities, uh, in my opinion. Why do you think uh, most people, why is it that they are not taking advantage of all this information out there in terms of maybe building wealth? You know, that's a really good question. Um, to answer that, can I ask where you're from? Are you are U.S.? Are you are you from another country originally? Yeah, I, I'm, originally I'm from. Uh, I came from Nigeria. Okay. Yeah. So, so I think for for most people, they take it for granted. They're mm -hmm. not used to anything else. They're comfortable. They're like you know, it's it's. You know, if I want food, I hit a button on my phone and it arrives. You know, if I want to connect with someone, I go on social media. It's like such an effortless country. And, it, and that part's great, but comfort also kills goals and dreams. If I get too comfortable, my ambition dies. And so 
Um, you know, for you coming to the U.S., I imagine that Nigeria might be different and that when you came here, it's like, wow, like <laughs> these yeah. guys have it so easy. And I think that that's the problem is we do have it so easy and people get comfortable with that and they don't realize that, you know, ease doesn't mean that your goals are going to happen. That still means you still need to go out and work. You still need to go out, you know, and, and have the podcast and run the business and show up and put in the hours and study and improve uh, and it doesn't matter what country you live in, it, that needs to happen. And I think that that's, that's the, the thing that's happening in the U.S. is people haven't really connected the dots on, we still need to do that. You know, we still need to bootstrap it. We still need to put the work in. We still need to act like we don't have the things we have because we want to build better than what we have and not just maintain the status quo. That's good. Comfort kills goals. Comfort kills growth. Comfort makes you sometimes uh, get stuck in the same makes position. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I like the way you put it. So uh, I always uh, want my guest to leave maybe a message or two uh, for my audience uh, in terms of how maybe motivate people that, hey, if I can do it, you can too. So uh, Jerry, what do you have for us? How can we uh, get people, you know, to step up and start building wealth? Yeah, I love this. This is a great question. So, I mean, you know, when you when someone's listening, they they'll hear me, the speaker, and they'll hear you, and they'll imagine whatever they imagine about who we are and how we got where we are. Guys, I'm from Alaska. <laughs> like my my graduating class had sixty kids in it. My parents were divorced. I didn't go to college. I grew up poor. I was homeless twice. Like. There's no reason why I should be at 30 years old, a millionaire and running a multi-million dollar business, right? Like I did not have an inheritance. I didn't have help. I didn't get loans. Like it was literally just bootstrap. And I'm sure that Bolo would probably tell you a similar story. He just made it happen, right? And so it comes down to really like decision, right? The root word behind decision, the etymology of that word means to cut off. It means I'm actually like, I'm getting rid of every other option. And I'm just doing one thing. And so when I decide... I'm getting rid of the plan B's. I'm getting rid of the option that I'm not going to be successful. And, um, you know, for me, when I was young in, in the industry and I was just starting, a mentor told me, all you need to do is show up every day and, and outlast everyone. He said, if you'd show up every day and you put in the work, it's just, a, it's just a math equation. It's how long does it take? And I would rather play the how long does it take game and just keep showing up every day and putting the work in, knowing that at some point it'll pay off than to play the I wish game. Wow. You know, I, I had a step, I had a stepdad. Uh, he used to tell me as a kid, cause I'd be like, I wish this, I wish that. And he said, once he <laughs> wish fills up first, we can wish all we want. Yeah. We got to decide, you got to show up and, and it will happen. It's, 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 a, it's just when. Show up and you've got to outlast. Yes. I like the way you put it, Jerry. This is awesome. This has been very, very good. Uh, I'm sure my audience, they are going to enjoy this and find this uh, super beneficial. Once again, to connect with you, uh, tell us, do you maybe on social media? I know you have uh, for that book, jerryfeather.com slash B2F promo and sacredaccounts.com. Where else can my audience find you, Jerry? So we're really big on on two platforms, TikTok and Instagram. Uh -huh. um, so uh, at TikTok, it's just Jerry Feta. Same thing with Instagram at Jerry Feta. Uh, so connect with us there. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of free content and that's, that's part of my purpose to give to others the knowledge that I have, you know, sharing the truth about money. So, um, if you just want to be a follower and, and get content, that's a great place to just connect. If you want to send a DM and ask a question, I want to welcome everyone to do that as well. 
All right, thank you very much, Jerry. It's been awesome. Thank you very much for uh, spending your Saturday morning with us uh, today. And uh, absolutely, Bolo. Thanks for having me on. All right, have a great one, man. You too. Bye. Okay, the streaming has stopped. So I'm gonna uh, leave all those uh, notes. I, I think maybe they've already sent them to me, but uh, this is good. I, I enjoyed it, man. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. I'm on TikTok. I'll find you on TikTok so we can connect awesome. as well. Awesome. I loved your questions, by the way. These were very original questions. I think you're doing a good job with them. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Have a good one, man. All right, you too. Bye. Bye. This episode of Winner's Ways Podcast has come to a close. We hope you enjoy and learn something from today's show. We want you to win and excel in all areas of your life. And we regularly explore and share information with our listeners to empower them to win. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast for more tips and strategies to help you find the success that you've always dreamt of. And don't forget to rate and review so that we can continue to bring you more podcast episodes to empower you. We will love to have you again next week. Now, keep winning. Oh, 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 oh